0: welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling episode of Well, I was gonna say the Bond Daff podcast, but that's not true. It's just the Capiche Filmcast. We're talking about films today, of course. Films we've seen in well, in the last in the last month since our last kind of catch up, uh films from the cinema and also on streaming services. Joining me today is Scott Armour and Gordon Webster. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening, Mr. Barry. Uh, Run, Shadow I'm sure what's the meaning of haste. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, yep, so just to three of us today, we've uh, had an interesting text from Fran, who's not making it due to some, I don't know, what's going on at some sort of event. <laughs> Sounds like he's had a, a mental night last night and is um, trying to find his way home back to Hoyt. I think it is these days, in the, in the borders. So who knows how that's going to go. So, And Steve can't make it due to family commitments, so that's fair enough. So just the three of us today, gents. Scott, uh, obviously we're just going to be talking about what we've seen. I'll let you kick us off. Uh, I can see from the films that um, you've provided, uh, Licorice Pizza, I want to hear about this film.
1: Yeah, so Licorice Pizza um is probably one of the most bizarre uh, titles you're probably ever going to hear from a film because i can confirm that um there is no uh there's no licorice so there's no pizza in this film not that no that i've seen anyway or certainly not a pizza made of licorice um okay. it's a paul thomas anderson film uh and i actually think paul thomas anderson confirmed that it, licorice pizza was actually a was like a record shop and SoCal's, like a now defunct record shop that he just kind of went, right, we'll just call it Licorice Pizza then. Um, so the film, it's so strange, right? Because I think the film is brilliant, right? It's was up for so many different awards. I think it won a BAFTA for original screenplay, right? It's like a coming of age, 15 year old boy who's actually uh, Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman's oh,
0: son. Oh, right, okay.
1: Um... And he's this fifteen-year-old boy in school or college, whatever they call it in America. And he, you can tell he's like an entrepreneur, like he doesn't want to be in school or whatever, and wants to kind of branch out, start his own businesses. Um, he's actually he's actually loosely based on uh, is it Gary Goetzman? So Gary Goatsman's I think he's the guy that went into a production company with Tom Hanks. Um, so he's kind of loosely, but it's, it's kind of loosely based on. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a true story, but it's kinda of loosely based on events that happened, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um or inspired by certainly people within like sort of the you know, whatever that's set. Um so the story kinda of follows a young guy comes out, he meets this. he meets this older I want you call her woman. I think she's twenty she's twenty five in the actual show she's placed by she's played by Alana Hame, who's part of the the uh pop rock group. Him, I think I'm saying that right. Um, I think this is her first that first sort of acting role, and she's brilliant in it. She's amazing in it. Um, and he starts his own business. He starts a waterbed company, and then eventually goes into that kind of fails, and then it's like right, we'll start an arcade sort of thing where like young folk can come in and you know like drink or whatever. And it's all kind of, it's quite good, great story. Again, that kind of whimsical coming of age, falling in love, that kind of thing. I think the one thing that's so bizarre about it is that it, it doesn't follow the follow the the sort of natural trope of of what Hollywood would, where it would be the the older leading man and the younger female. Like the Cooper Hoffman, I think it's like eighteen or nineteen in real life, and Alana Lana Hames uh, just I think she's like twenty six, twenty seven. But obviously in this film, he's fifteen and she's twenty five, and this is the part where it's a bit strange, right? because as much as I think the film's really good, he's 15 Mm. and she's 25. And I watched it with my wife and we both, when it finished, we were kind of both looking at each other going, wait a minute, is that that not strange to you? And Amy was the same. She was kind of like, yeah, was that not a wee bit? And I don't want to use the term, you know, like grooming or something like that, but there was something unsettling at the fact that it's like he's 15, she's 25 and there kind of is this sort of love arc uh, and at some points you're kind of going, I don't I don't think this sits right. So it was strange, but it, I, th- I think, and and it has been criticised for that, Paul Thomas Anderson has kind of come out since and said, well, it's actually set in the 1970s. So you, you've kind of gone almost got to like put yourself in those shoes where back then so it's like, your current mindset of, that doesn't seem right, that seems wrong, that seems a bit, you know, like, that's like grooming. <laughs> you know, call a spade a spade. Yeah. But he said, back then, it's kind of like, he was kind of trying to see it as if, like you know, young guy try to get the older women and stuff like that. But it's like, I don't know, it's, it's so strange. I'm kind of almost conflicted about it, because I suppose it's a five-star film for me, in terms of the way it's shot, directed, written, it's it's phenomenal but it's, it's such a strange feeling after it where you're going that just doesn't sit right and then i think to myself see if the if the if the if the gender was flipped and that was a 15 year old girl and a 25 year old man it's like would it hold would it have the same would it been more controversial i don't know
0: i certainly think just nowadays weird. it would
1: be when you say nowadays like that, this has obviously been released last that well this year uh huh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah,
0: you know, But I think Actually, it's, it's because the genders have been flipped, it's slightly softened the controversy, which is a strange thing to say. It's strange, it's strange because it, it should, like at the
1: end, at the end of the day, more
0: press attention, I
1: think. Yeah. And that's what me and Amy, that's obviously what me and my wife were kind of thinking. It was like, well, gender aside, it's still a 15 year old child. 15 years old is still a child. You know what I mean? It's just like, Ah, it's just it's so weird. And
2: what was the actual sort of fact?
0: Age differences.
1: Well, as I say, I think Cooper Cooper Hoffman. He he's nineteen now, and I think Alana came Let me just double check. But he was she's she's like,
0: like, maybe seventeen. Oh, she's at thirty. The time. No, 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 she's thirty. Right. No, but he That'd was probably weird. seventeen during filming. It was released in, uh, in 2021. Uh, yeah, potentially. Yeah, potentially. So he would
1: have just been turning maybe eighteen. She was maybe twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Um. So again, there's still that sort of um there is still a huge age difference there but portrayed in the film
0: as he is fifteen um, That's obviously really what it's um aye, quite aye. quite shocking yeah
1: so so it's definitely uh it's definitely a i would probably say from that aspect for me it was like a kinda it was a controvers, controversial watch like i didn't really i don't know it's a it's a strange one How i think do, that's why
0: yeah would that take a star
1: off it so, again i think this is probably why I'm conflicted because it's like a, a as much as as much as it's not it's it's not about that necessarily but the fact that you know he's a 15 year old boy and he's he's in love with this older woman and they do have this kind of like on off not necessarily love hate they kind of both love you can tell they both love each other but they don't really want to be with each other if that makes sense it's it's strange it's, it's again it's written so well um some great, some great supporting uh, cast with Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper's amazing in it. it. Is this like unhinged? He's like the unhinged partner of Barbara Streisand. He's hilarious, honestly hilarious. Like the film is so bizarre, it's so funny. I I think I would still give it a five star, but it's just that that kind of it kind of just leaves that sort of uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say bad taste. Okay. Just just controversial, you know. Tone to it where it's like that just doesn't fit right with
0: me. I could, yeah, I could think you could call that a bad taste, but maybe it's not as strong as maybe you want to make it that sound. Like, you obviously really enjoy the film and would recommend it if it's a five star. Yeah, Scott, I think it, goes, go on you go, come.
2: You just while you were talking about the that odd relationship between really like a child and an adult, there, there was actually, I'll not. Uh, go into the film just now but in one of the films i'm gonna bring up later there was something slightly similar but it was quite brief but that was made in 1975
1: Mm. and again i think the um in terms of the sort of sort of you know in terms of like film culture back then certainly is a lot more magnified now when it comes to like um how you know The black community was represented even female characters been written and how they were portrayed um you know back in a back in that era till now um i think that's what paul thomas anderson is trying to allude to where it's like back in that time that may have been what happened like the young man trying to kind of woo the older lady stuff like that so i get it i think that's fine i just think again for me now sitting here watching this it's like i can't see it other than a 15 year old boy and a twenty-five-year-old woman, and it's like, doesn't matter how you, it doesn't matter how you spin that. It's just, it's just, it's wrong.
2: Yeah, okay, it's a similar <laughs> thing with uh, the the example I saw, Scott. I was going to ask as well. By the way, if you saw me looking down at my phone, it wasn't because I was getting bored of what you were talking about. I was actually looking up the film in Wikipedia, and and it says Sean Penn's in it as well.
1: Sean Penn's in it, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, and the other thing as well, it it reminds me of. Um, the premise seems similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in that it's, it's meant to be someone's actually playing an actor based. It's a fictitious actor based on a real actor, isn't it? And it's like, yeah. and also because it's, it's I think set in the nineteen seventies. It was it similar? Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It's not
1: as um, yeah, because the, the the poster looks very similar as well. You would almost even, you could almost even be like you know, convinced it's like a sequel or, or still set in that world. Uh to hundred percent get that. um it's certainly more grounded than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um but the the premise is still there. Um Cooper Hoffman doesn't play a uh he's not like a kind of like failed actor or whatever, he just is a, a a young boy, you know, trying to make money, trying to make a quick buck and as I say, that kind of young entrepreneur. Sean Penn does play uh an actor. And as I say, Bradley Cooper, he's like the film producer, and I'm pretty sure he's married to Barbra Streisand. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Alright. Uh, five stars for Licorice Pizza. What about the unbearable weight of massive talent, Scott?
1: Now, here's the thing, right? This film is like, see if you're a Nicolas Cage super fan, like this film is literally your wet dream. Because what this film basically is, is Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage and referencing every Nicolas Cage film he's ever been in.
0: It does sound incredible. I do want to see this. I almost don't want to hear much about this film, because I feel like everything is a spoiler, and I just want to see it. I'm gutted I I have not seen
2: this. I won't go into spoilers, but yeah, try not for me, tell
0: me too much, other than is this good?
2: I can sense a Michael Bay conversation starting it's again.
1: Like,
0: well, well, obviously Nick Cage was in certain
1: Michael Bay films, but I'll, I'll try and be—I'll try and lay off Michael on this podcast for just now. And I'll let him off. I'll let him off one week. Um, God, what could I say about this film? I mean, the film is just as bonkers as the title. You know, it's one of the it's, it's probably one of the worst. I don't I, I don't even know if I like the title of the film. <laughs> it's so long, but it's so bonkers, but it fits the film, man. I mean my god Nick Cage is brilliant in it, but he's just playing Nick Cage, he's playing the parody version of Nick Cage.
2: Yeah, I saw the adverts at the side, the buses and things like that. And the big punchline is Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. But Nicolas to, Cage, I got I gotta say, like, see, all the adverts I see of Nicolas Cage films now. And I, I really like Nicolas Cage, but all the adverts I see of him, he, he always has that same sort of demeanour in the in every advert you see. I'm not talking yeah. about trailers, but actual physical like picture adverts. He just it always seems to me like he, he just is a serious kind of Look, <laughs> I always just imagine the same kind of character.
1: I think the thing, the thing about this film, like it's a, it's a, it is an action comedy, it, and and the great thing about it is, it knows itself aware. It does not take itself seriously. It literally is, it's as if the director just basically went, right, why don't we just write a screenplay, for Nick Cage to play the Nick Cage that everyone loves, you know, the cult, the cult Nick Cage where he's just crazy, zany kind of. Face off, unhinged, um, unhinged, just, just crazy. Nick Cage. The only thing that I would maybe say is, I think there's a lot of stuff, a lot of things that happen in the films. Like, say for example, you've never watched a Nick Cage film, you probably aren't going to enjoy this. That's that's probably what I would say. I've probably not kept up with Nick Cage's filmography. His most recent stuff, like the film Pig, I think there was Mandy. There was a few references in it about our odes to films and i i never got because i've not seen his most recent stuff um but you will get the nods to the rock uh face off um i'm seeing the croods is mentioned as one of them yeah there's so there's so, honestly it's like the next couple of films i'm going to talk about is multiverse films this literally just feels like the, the cage verse <laughs> it's like nicholas cage been sucked in a multiverse of Nicolas Cage it's honestly it's hilarious and the thing is I think I think the thing that elevates the film as just as just that in terms of that simple plot Pedro Pascal is so good in this film like he he almost steals the scenes with Nick Cage and that's Nick Cage like hamming it up and you know overacting you know that that kind of the way he does it but Pedro Pascal is just so calm, but he's also so funny as well with some of the things. And he he wants Nick Cage to be there. He believes in everything Nick Cage is doing. He actually believes that Nick Cage is this fucking insane action crazy guy. But it's done so well. Um. Yeah, it's really difficult not to say things in certain scenes in the film yeah. without spoiling it. So I, feel I won't. Like it's
0: all so. spoilers, pretty much. I'm looking online to see where it's available. It's on most streaming services. I think, did this mostly just get released to streaming services then? Amazon Prime certainly have it just now, apparently.
1: It, yeah, it did. Um, I think it got released. It, 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 never done well. it never done well in the box office because I think it got released alongside the Northman and I'm pretty sure it was another film as well it got released on um yeah. the bad guy and the Northman it's but so, again yeah. it's so far it's it
0: $28.8 million against its $30 million yeah. budget so it's still to try and get past the breaking even, it probably will eventually but yeah, obviously not huge the thing
1: is, is that and again it's what I said at the start, it's like I don't necessarily think the title of the film does itself any favours. No. Because it doesn't scream like the film, once you've, see, once you've seen it, once you know about it, once you know it's Nick Cage, it's like, actually the title is quite funny because it's like the unbearable weight of massive talent, which is basically saying Nick Cage has this massive talent. And that is kind of the, the early premise of the film is him auditioning for uh, like a film role. And there's a couple of cool scenes like that as well. just like he genuinely believes that he has this massive talent and he he has to live with it. You know that it's hilarious. But I think from a from a non Nick Cage super fan or even just you know enthusiast of his work, you ain't gonna get the title. You're probably gonna go Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. Nick Cage, who's that? Well, you know, I I don't necessarily think it's for the, a, a a modern audience if that makes sense. I think it definitely is. It it. Instantly fall into that cult classic.
0: I think what they should have done was put and this would be the super long title, but it would be funny because it's super long, possibly. But the so looking at the poster, I was going to say this before I even saw the poster and seen this is pretty much what the poster says on it Nicholas, it's, Cage, it's just as Nicholas Cage. Cage is Nick Cage. Now, Nick that to me should have been the name of the film. That's your title,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's stupid, isn't it? Because it's Nicholas Cage is Nick Cage,
0: yeah. That's all you that, need to know.
1: I'm the same, yeah. I, I, I'm the same. Again, I don't know if it's the title that's maybe went, what does that sound like? I would have called
0: it Nicholas Cage is Nick Cage, colon the unbearable unbearable weight weight of massive talent. talent. Yeah. That's funny. Can can you imagine even
2: standing in Cineworld and saying, can I get two tickets to Nicholas Cage's (laughs) Nick Cage? Mm
1: -hmm. Colon the unbearable weight of massive talent.
0: (laughs) To me, that sells tickets. (laughs) So I think the
1: person person behind the till would be like, sorry, could you just say that (laughs) film title one more time, I never caught that there. Right, so it's Nicolas Cage.
0: But that's the thing, like, Mm. so I've heard about this film, like, I've heard people talk about on podcasts the Nicolas Cage film, and I've always forgotten the name of the film, because it's Mm. kind of, and it's a a vaguely funny title, but it's really not. And maybe in the context of talking about Nicolas Cage, it is funny, but as a a title, it's actually kind of generic, kind of long-winded, and it doesn't have a pop, it doesn't have a snappiness that... When you say the Nick Cage film, then that Aye, that's yeah, if it was called 100%. the Nick Cage film or something, then mm. that would be it. But like just just like that, um, you know, I think that marketing have missed a trick here.
1: <clears throat> I think I think so. I think so. Um, what, and again, you don't you don't know if that's because of the you know the box office or the impact on it. Who knows? But certainly, if you were to hear that title without no context of who it's about. The first thing that you're obviously going to ask is, "Well, what is that all about?" And if when somebody says, "Well, it's actually a, a parody of Nicolas Cage playing himself," if you're a fan of Nick Cage and he's working, you kind of know about it. You go, "Well, I want to see that because yeah. that sounds that sounds bizarre and crazy and fun." Um, but if you don't necessarily know Nick Nicolas Cage's work and stuff, and you go. A bit of a bit of a daft title. I'm not really a Nick Cage fan. I'm not bother with
0: it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what would you give this film?
1: Uh, For me, in terms of my experience, I would give it a four. Okay. Um, I I could completely understand, but if. Say for example, if I was watching it and I've never seen a Nicolas Cage film, like uh, it would be easily like a two or a three because there's so many odds. Not like yeah, it's quite self indulgent so that you're not. Oh, as yeah. again that? But but from me in terms of my experience watching it, it was like I I enjoyed that. I I I loved it all. Um, yeah. and it, it, there was some scenes that it was just laugh out loud. Just Nick Cage being Nick Cage, and some of the kind of crazy, you know, face-off like looks he does and stuff, mm. where his eyes go dead wide and stuff. It's just some of that is just hilarious to me. Does um, it
0: say he could eat a peach for hours or anything like that? Is that not what of uh, the Um, you said no spoilers, Dave. Okay. So I'm not
1: gonna okay. I'm not gonna take that date. <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
0: yeah. Um. All right. So four stars for the unbearable weight of massive talent, Scott. Mm. What about? Well, we talked about a couple of films that you've seen now uh, on the last monthly podcast. Um, we'll start with everything, everywhere, all at once, because now you've seen this and want to weigh in on it. What was your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, it is an interesting one, right? Because obviously we just spoke about the unbearable weight of massive talent being a kind of long-winded, kind of sort of throwaway title that doesn't mean anything. I think this is probably the same. I don't think everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once, kind of like. I don't know I don't necessarily think it's a it's the best title for a film. Yeah, it's a bit clumsy. Um, as it's too it's just too long. It's just again it's not punchy. But my goodness me, this is easily one of the best films that I've seen in so long. Like yeah. possi- possibly potentially could break into maybe not top 10, but I mean it's so good like a it's one of these ones where it probably needs its own. We probably need to do our own podcast. Get everyone seeing this film, and we probably need to like kind of delve into this because, honestly, it's just crazy. It's crazy good. Like, and I I was kind of talking to you about it, Steve. It's like when I was watching it during after, I genuinely kind of felt, um, and it was streaming. Unfortunately, it was on demand. I watched it, so it wasn't in the cinema for a long time probably after, until like maybe Avengers Endgame or Infinity War Endgame type it was like i have i have watched a, a cinematic first like a, a true cinematic experience um and that's what this was for me um proper proper full on never before seen portrayal of multiverse although i have seen dot did see doctor strange multiverse of madness first um for me this does it so much better
0: it's uh, directed by Joe Russo and Anthony Russo, the Russo brothers, obviously. Now mm. that makes a hell of a lot of sense, considering they are the two directors for the mm. um,
1: Avengers. No, no. So the oh, by, produced, sorry,
0: they were yeah, produced, they the dads. Yeah. Scott so it's the Daniels. Ah, right. Okay.
2: On the back of us talking about the Temple of Doom, I, I just looked up this this film you're talking about, and uh, did you know Short Round was in it? Short Round is the. He's one of the main men leads it's crazy yeah jonathan Kikwan. i think he's yeah. known by another name as well i think he's just was he vietnamese yeah um and it's like when it obviously
1: first obviously he's, a, he's an old man from from Templeton, right or the goonies if it was at the goonies was after temple Doom, in 85 he was in Oh, was he um, in that right pretty sure uh it's like this this guy's just like yeah just Templeton Doom goonies go on hiatus for for a couple of decades then do you know what I'm going to come back and star in one of the best films there's been in years. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like the guy's got a pretty good track record. I know. Um,
0: That is insane.
1: Aye. So, no, directed by the Daniel Steve, but it was produced by the the Russos. Yeah. My mistake. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's just crazy because it's like, I would say it's, it's, for me, it's definitely original, but you can see there's obviously influences to you know like in terms of the fighting scenes crouching tiger hidden dragon the matrix you know that you can tell that there's influences here but in terms of the, the actual film i didn't actually have a lot of reference material on multiverse films okay so i think the films that we've seen before are certainly in spider-man the most recent probably in fact spider verse as well um that's mainly about other elements of multiverses coming into Sort of ours, it's not really about delving into the other multiverses and actually seeing the dynamics of those multiverses or, 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 or of those universes. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And how they all kind of impact each other. So I think that's, that's probably the difference to the, the kind of multiverse sort of films that we've seen. I wouldn't even say they're films, but you know, dealing with that sort of topic to this one. This one is just insane, and I was just going to say, I think I went through every emotion possible in this film, like sadness, happiness. I was proper laughing out loud at some of the comedy. Some of the comedies, like the best comedic writing I've like I've witnessed in Hollywood for for a while. Um, I was horny, and you just need. And when I say that, <laughs> you just need to watch this film for a specific scene. Um, all I'll say is tomato ketchup and mustard. That's it. That's wow. all I'll say. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, honestly, like everything, and, it's, and it's, it's such a good, deep meaning to the film as well because it, it kind of actually try and trying to say too much about it because it, it probably will spoil it. But it deals with real, true, you know, issues, mental health issues that that people will have. Does it in such a nice, rounded way. Um, all the characters that are in it are so well, you know, written. They've all got really good character arcs. Just It's just the way the thing works. It pulls into all the different multiverses. Oh man, it's just so good. Like, the, even the
0: soundtrack looks interesting. It's got, um, composed by Andre 3000 and Randy Newman are two of the names mentioned, which... That's an interesting list. Um, I wonder if they're maybe not the the score as such, but maybe just you know an external soundtrack that maybe aren't in the film. Did you re- think, hear Randy Newman's voice at all, Randy Newman? Uh, no, I don't think
1: so. And it, as I say, the I think the track, I think the 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 music in it probably didn't. I, I didn't necessarily notice it as much. There was the, there wasn't like a there wasn't like a sort of standout sort of main theme or whatever, but I, I think it just it, it still worked. It still all added to the um, you know certain ambience feels when it's the big dramatic you know moments and stuff like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it struck me as a, a an instant classic in terms of a, a theme um, yeah. or or anything like that, but um, certainly in the different multiverses that you that we go to and all the different things, um, yeah, it's... It, it still
0: worked. So um, Steve gave this a four in his review last month. Uh, do you agree with the four?
1: No, it's just a five star film for oh, me. Well, like five star film.
2: I've a four and a half now. We haven't reduced had. You thought we didn't do half
0: marks, but we do. Well, we don't. I, I mean, we kind of, we've halmed and hawed. I don't, I wouldn't give half marks, but we kind of, it's not. On the ones that, unless they're written reviews, well, the written reviews are the ones we don't give half marks. On these ones, if you really want to say it's a half, then. We're not you know mm. no one's gonna break your legs um for it um but yeah okay so it's a certainly a, a four and a five then for this film so i really do need to see this film and i'll maybe weigh in the next time um because it sounds incredible um well, it's, it's a strange one
1: because like for me watching it i was like i can, i cannot believe like that and i'm you know you know me i am quite critical of like, kind of modern films where i don't think you've got that sort of Originality that we maybe once had. For example, you talk about Robocop, Star Wars. There was no reference material to these films back in the 70s and 80s. Like, for example, A New Hope. I watched that recently. You imagine people going to the cinema and seeing that, watching that. Like, the first 15 minutes of that film, people must have been like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, what is this? And I think for me, this film kind of was very similar as much as there was maybe some references to to as i say the matrix etc but in terms of dealing with multiverses and how they work and how you can how you can navigate them well, i've never seen it before yeah. so that, that that to me was that sort of first well unfortunately well, i say unfortunate it's still a good film i had watched doctor strange 2 first before this i really wish i watched so uh, this one first.
0: That's a good segue into the other film that I've got listed here that you've seen that was also covered last month by Steve and I think he'd given it the four. You've seen Doctor Strange uh, Doctor
1: Strange in the Multiverse of Madness In
0: the Multiverse of Madness. I always want to say and the Multiverse of Madness but in the Multiverse of Madness Um, Yeah, what's your thoughts on this one?
1: So I think if Everything Everywhere All at Once was called the Multiverse of Madness I think it would be much more fit into this film and I, to be honest with you I kinda wish it was um because I, I do like the title of Doctor Strange although it is still a mouthful. I think I've picked three films that are like proper mouthfuls here in terms yeah. of their titles. I agree with Steve. I think it's a four a four star
0: film. Um it <laughs> sounds like you're slightly more critical and it just gets that four by a, a hair's breadth.
1: I think so I think so I I, I think a three and a half isn't it is not probably not doing it as justice as the film should but I, I mean for me it's a week four like I think there's been better within the 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 MCU definitely um I probably preferred the first Doctor Strange and it probably just goes to the fact that I think this film directed by Sam Raimi it it really does feel like the MCU is finished it's closed off all done dusted but Sam Raimi's went I really like the Doctor Strange character. I'm going to do a standalone film of Doctor Strange, and I'm just going to put my stamp all over this film. Like, this film is just... It should be called the, the Raimi-verse. It really should.
0: So what films specifically from Raimi do you feel this is kind of a, a nods to or, or taken from? Obviously, his Spider-Man trilogy.
1: Well, the main ones would probably be Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, there, there's a scene, and I, and I would probably even just say that the, the colour palette of this film is... is so different to like the first doctor strange and even the, the mcu and actually there's a scene in the, the the start of the film where strange and wong fight this sort of creature and easily could have been a deleted scene from the first spider-man Like we're talking the color palette we're talking the setup it might even be the same building that they fight uh when was on Doc box spider-man 2 but so similar like the creature's very similar to like a kind of octopus, sort of long tentacle arms and stuff like that.
0: Is it necessarily I, a criticism, or, or is it too jarring and incons- uh, the inconsistency there because of it's a second film in the series, but the you know the look is different.
1: I think it's probably just more so within the world of Doctor Strange. I don't know if it, I don't know. I don't know if it's an inconsistency with that, or it's clearly just a director putting his mark on it. Yeah, and um, that. That stuff for me wasn't jarring. It was just a, It was just clear that this is a. This is Sam Raimi's mark. Um, the parts that I didn't really get, or or like, kind of, it lost me a bit. Was, and it was one of the worries that I had. Everything, everywhere, all at once has no studio, uh, sort of producers saying, "You go as far as you can, mate, but you can't go past PG 13 or "You can't do this, or you can't do that." You know, everything, everywhere, all at once is just like. You know, it's, sky's the limit. I think do, I was always worried that Doctor Strange... Steve was talking about the, the horror element,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which obviously Remy's big, good, you know, the Evil Dead the franchise, that that sort of stuff. There's clear inspirations with this. Some of it looks really good. Some of it's quite hokey and a bit cringy, but it still fits. Um, But they can't commit to it. That's, I think that's my biggest problem with this film. It's yeah. like can just tell that sam raimi if he just had those reins off and he could just commit to it it would be like god it would be so much better but you can actually you can actually feel the shackles on this film um there is some don't get me wrong there's some scenes that it's like wow (laughs) you know like proper violent gore okay um but he, but he can't go further than that. Um, not necessarily think that that he needs to do it. Do you know what I mean? I think I think if it was any more, it would be like, well, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. But yeah, I think I I don't think he could go full horror, and I think for me, that's that's where it kind of it lacks a wee bit.
0: Okay, um, all right. So it's another four for that one. So there's consistency in our rating on this one. Um, it sounds like you've you've just reached a four. Um, still worth a watch in the end. Still a recommendation. 100%. It sounds like, and and for so I suppose for anyone who likes the MCU films, this sounds like you'd still watch it, but with the expectations slightly tempered, maybe that it's not going to be an all time classic.
1: Yeah, it's it, for me. And I, I know I said it's obviously got Remy stamp on it. It's it's still got the 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 magic of the MCU, and you know it's still still clearly tied to that universe. I was just ex- I was just expecting a bit more madness within a multiverse, and unfortunately, you you don't really see a lot of multiverse traversal, or you do, but it's very very quick. Whereas, again, for the for for the reference, everything everywhere all at once. You do get that. You do go to different places, and it, it it gives more meaning to go into these other places. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Um, so it sounds like so, the, the title of this one should have been something like Doctor Strange in the kinda brief multiverse of madness ish. Um, Doctor Strange to
1: in the Sam Raimi like tribute the episode. <laughs> Sam do you know what you know how we said you know the unbearable weight of massive talent has Nicolas Cage as Nick Cage yeah this one should have been Doctor Strange 2 colon Sam Raimi directs Sam Raimi <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, okay. That sounds. Like, the days yeah. of short titles are going on. Yeah, Skyfall probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on then, very briefly, because I know the last couple of things you've seen are just updates on the TV series that are more prominent on some of the streaming networks just now. Um, this is Obi Wan Kenobi is one that you have seen that I've also been watching, but you've seen the full six episodes. I've seen five. Still got one more to go. Um, you just want to briefly talk on this how has your general uh viewing of this went how what's your opinion on it no spoilers um, obviously.
1: oh god i mean i think i watched the first two or three uh, episodes of the book of boba fett and it just did not turn me on in the slightest i went back to it i've got no interest in seeing what happens with that character now i really like the mandalorian although it's Still tying in with the original canon, it was just a new. It was just a new character. It was a new settings. It was just cool. So I liked that. I was really worried about the Obi Wan series because it was like, well, what can they actually do here? You know, the you know Lucas and, and they've just written themselves in a, in a corner. I think there's still some really really good things that happen in this show, but unfortunately and ultimately, when we get to the end, not you just can't go anywhere. And it almost just feels completely irrelevant. It also doesn't tie in. You watch this, I watched A New Hope recently. Some of the some of the the writing and some of the dialogue in a new hope actually now doesn't match up with anything that happens in this or the prequels. Mm. Like some of the things that Alec Guinness is saying when he's giving his exposition to Luke. It's like he's he's saying lines and it's like, but <laughs> When you think about the prequels, and then if you think about how this, you know, Obi Wan, uh, this series sort of sort of flows, it's like it, it doesn't. It just doesn't fit now. So I actually it, think they've, they've, they've probably, as I say, written themselves into a corner. They couldn't do much with this series anyway. I almost kind of think that they're they're they just need to stop while they're ahead because they're potentially. Maybe that was. On I, I,
2: sorry, I was just going to say maybe that was a deliberate. Um, way to add an extra layer to a new hope. Well, actually, Obi Wan, lied to look that? Because now we know that this happened. But actually, I was going to say because um, I heard Hayden Christensen's features. Is it possible without? Is it possible to say anything about him without spoiling it? Or
1: well, I think it's. I, I, I think it's. Um, he, he's in the trailers, so it's not. It's not a spoiler to know that he that, uh, he is back as Darth Vader. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's spoilers. Um, he is in it. You do see him. It uh, looks okay. Um, yeah, there was a scene.
0: Yeah, there's the one I watched. Just the today was him, and I mean I don't know. If, if you can tell me if this is spoilers. We'll take it out. But it's essentially almost like a, a flashback fighting. scene. That's yeah. a fighting sequence, as if they were younger. When it was he does done, look younger, man. I mean, he's, like... he looks—he looks, he looks <laughs> tremendous for his age. The guy looks great, yeah, and they've obviously does, done him up with uh, the hair and the, the outfit. But you look at his face; you can see that's an older an, man. An
1: older, <laughs> it's an older man. I mean, he actually—like, he actually looks older than Hugh and McGregor.
0: No, and that, I, and would say, a... I don't think so. I think he has aged very well. You McGregor, you can see, but they've done more, I think, to try and make you McG- McGregor look younger. So, and...
1: well, you and he can hide behind the kind of, the he can hide behind the beard things. You don't see the fucking crow's feet in his face. You know what I mean? But like, but you're right. Hayden Christensen still looks great, and fair play for them for not doing the whole kind of CGI yes. sort of demo thing yeah, you
0: know the I've yeah. not looked into it they might have done a very subtle CGI because I mean most images in film are all in gen, gen, yeah. films that you wouldn't expect CGI to be in it most films have got some sort of uh, computer generated you know imagery mm-hmm. to just fix it up with lighting and all that kind of stuff so there's always an element of it everywhere and you just don't realize it and that's usually mm-hmm. the best stuff because essentially they might have just slightly touched them up to make them slightly look younger but that's a that's me conjecture I don't actually know I'll let you one there.
2: No, it was just a different thing. So, Scott, I I heard that at least quite a bit of it is based on the planet Tatooine again. Do you still get those ever-present things in the Star Wars world that were there, like, regardless? Remember how, for example, in Star Wars trilogy, it goes back to Tatooine, then when you go to Phantom Menace, and there's those Things that are just ever present, life like life and tattooing, like the Tuscan Raiders, the Jawas, the most Eisley Cantina, yeah. sort of hanger hangers on. Like is, it, is I, there much of that at all that ties it in with the t- original
0: trilogy? Yeah. Um to a fault. I mean, every time they I do things say, like so, that, yeah. I would say that is like, oh, why does everything have I mean, well, why obviously we... there is an element of it makes sense in this story because there is character this is about a character who's his story starts on this planet, mm. and yeah, I mean, you, we know you it's want... going to end there as well. So there is an el- an element of that mm. is relative this time.
1: I think for me, uh, you're I suppose you're right to call it out Gordon as the fact that it's we're back on Tatooine, and I, and I agree with Steve. When you watch it, it's like, oh god, we're back on Tatooine. You know that was <laughs> okay, <my reaction> I... <laughs> because
0: it's like. <laughs> that you was know, the, you, the 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 colon uh, subtitle of the film. Oh, we oh my God, we're back on Tatooine. God, we're back on
1: Tatooine because it's like B- book of Boba Fett again. We're we're back. We're I don't is that set on Tatooine? Book of uh, Boba Fett. That would have yeah, been mm-hmm. it is,
0: yeah. Because well, the first either, couple either, episodes I've watched are. All
1: right, but either way, it's like dusty. It's dry. It's very yellow. It's beige. It's like come on we are literally set in a fucking galaxy far, far away here. Are you trying to tell me that all of these planets and set pieces, or they just look like Tatooine? Well, if we they
0: Tatooine, not, they're going to, not, going to look like
1: Tatooine. That's what I'm saying. It's like, can we not go? And it's actually quite refreshing when we go to um, Alderaan. Is that...? Mm-hmm. That's the good older because Alderman. I
2: always wondered Alderman. what did Alderaan actually look like, unless it's in one yeah. of the prequels, and I've totally forgotten about it. No,
0: they, that's, they, I think they might show. I don't know if they ever did show it. No, I don't think they did. Um, I think you.
1: I think they redo it. I'm pretty sure there's something at the end of Return of the Jedi, is
0: there? No, because Alderaan was blown up by that. I was thinking yeah. that. Is, yeah, you're thinking of Coruscant because it uh,
2: would be. It would make sense to. For all the talk about it in a new hope, I want to see what that world looked like. I wonder. You don't yeah.
1: really get a lot of it. That's the problem. It's. It's. Fit. I think we only actually visit it in the first episode, maybe. Um, but again, it was. It was actually like it was quite refreshing. Mm. You know, it looks different. It's got greenery. It's not a fucking desert. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not Tatooine. Um, I'm don't sure. get me wrong. We, <laughs> we we do go to we do go to other sort of. You know locations within the Obi Wan, but um
2: yeah, there's no Jar Jar Binks references, I presume. Uh, well, thankfully, uh, yeah. thankfully not. Um, any cameos
1: but, um, I would probably say that. I would probably say for me tonally, um, purely, obviously, it, it kind of has to be. It is very prequely. I
0: think it's it's trying to. I mean, I would say it's prequely. It's more Mandalorian. Again, well, again. Dust desert. No, no, but you're, uh, the aesthetic <laughs> of the the sort of.
1: I mean, I suppose what I suppose what I mean in terms of the in terms of that, it's like it's almost as if they're I'm talking about maybe like the writing or the nods to the to the Star Wars films. There is a lot of it that is kind of like it seems as if it's like well, it seems as if it's just it's like all oh, right guys, do you know what we made an absolute arse of the prequels, but a lot of people liked you McGregor, so let's give him this. Let's try and redeem ourselves here kind of what it feels like a wee bit give, give Hayden Christensen his kind of moment you know so people don't remember him as the Anakin Skywalker that we do for me I think it's some of it's done well there's some scenes that lighten and all that kind of stuff like it's like hmm, could have been better maybe that's budgetary I'm not sure Um, again for me it's just like I, I, I still don't understand why we had to have this story and again the writing it's kind of almost it's it's they're creating plot holes within the star wars canon by doing lots lots of these things yeah
0: that's this way you demystify any character or setting or timeline by delving into the stuff when it was you you could use your own imagination in these things or use a different medium sometimes video games are the better version for that because Mm. it's less um I don't think you would take it apart the same way that you would in film and can see the obvious differences a yeah. different medium <clears throat> but as for this um like I have to I don't know if I mentioned I think I did probably talk about this the last time we spoke about this and obviously we'll ha- we we'll have to move on this is going to have to be quite a brief one but for me this show has to be viewed as like a almost like a, a multiverse version of Star Wars it's an alternative mm-hmm. version of and the prequels are in this one the continuity is prequels to this and the originals timeline films, which are, of course, are my favourites, are in a different one because the Alec Guinness version of Obi-Wan Kenobi is nowhere to be seen in the performance and from Ewan oh. McGregor. As good as Ewan yeah. McGregor is, Ewan McGregor's very good at his Obi-Wan Kenobi. But that Obi-Wan Kenobi is a different ver- a different character for, for me.
1: But Steve, that's the problem. I I couldn't agree with you more. The problem is, it's not. It's all it's, the problem is
0: is that it's oh, of not course. A, yeah they want you to, they're, they're selling it as this is just a right. part. And that's that's a flaw yeah. it's nowhere that's why it does, it's not a classic show for me if i was reviewing this it'd be a a four maybe i think i would give it what would you give this show and it's in its entirety i've started uh, to see the final episode so i can't really rank it rate it yet
1: uh, it would probably be a week four because, listen, we have been critical. It's pro- probably been more critical of of the way Star Wars has gone. I suppose that's maybe what we're critical here. I think Ewan McGregor's great in it. I mean, not great, maybe that, so he's good in it. Um, Hayden Christensen's good in it. Um, they bring back some good stuff. There's, there's actually quite a lot of nods to the, the animated series, like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Um, I've never seen that, so I didn't really get them but um again it's all the kind of lore you know stuff from all these the, the extra stuff in terms of the canon i'd probably yeah i would probably say a week four um but okay yeah yeah it's just um, yeah just oh. wish it was just wish it was better like for example very quickly a solo the solo film why did you have to call it solo why couldn't you just create another character and and have that film be that
0: well, nobody would, it would it have it went it? to see it, probably, but it turns what? out nobody went to see Solo, either. Like, it did pretty well. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly, You know what I mean? Just call it, like, in John Smith, a, a Star Wars story about John Smith and a heist.
0: I would have wanted the, the Dash Rendar story. That's the the character I <laughs> yeah. want. yeah. Or <laughs> something to do with Prince Exciser, remember him? No, is, that, that, <laughs> is it not Shizor? Is that not how you say it now? I think is that how you say it? he? Exciser. Absolute
2: lunatic.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way I used to call, it. I <clears throat> I call I was Zizer. That was Zizer. Was the way I <laughs> said Exerciser. it. Exerciser. Yeah. I would want
1: one, one of either two things, right? I'd want a film, two and a half hour long film, about the voice rise, right? And them like in, like in a kind of senate, you know, talking, and it's all political, and it's like courtroom and stuff, a courtroom drama, that right? Sounds- like kind of like a few, good, like a few good men, except it's the viceroy's, right? And then the next one that I would want is like a TV show, kind of similar to like One Division, where it's all the Wookiees, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like the Wookies, fans, so it's Chewbacca and
0: his family. Can we cut this Joker? meeting, this uh, this pitch. he's <laughs> obviously sh- so he's get. Catherine show him the door, <laughs> and there's but there's no
1: one to translate the Wookiees. so it's basically Chewy turning around into the wife. And like shit, like going,
0: security, and security, the, get this man out. <laughs> and the wife just turning back, going, there's
1: no subtitles, there's no nothing. It's just these wookies just shouting at each other. That's what I
0: want to see. Give me that, George. Right. Thank you for your pitch, Mr. Armour. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Um, okay four stars so far for uh, Star Wars Uh, TV show Obi-Wan Kenobi I've still to watch the final episode maybe I'll come back to that one Uh, very quickly uh, we keep saying this and then we go on for 15 minutes but The Boys is another show you've watched now I've only watched one episode of this and you've been watching it all recently without giving any spoilers what's your thoughts on this show?
1: 5 out of 5 top tier for me Um, great cast Homelander uh, one of the best uh, antagonists, I would probably put him in the same kind of breadth as, as your Darth Raiders and stuff like that in terms of modern time.
0: Just to be clear, this is the third series that's just come out that you've reviewed, that you're it's, watching. Uh, just,
1: yeah, I think it's got one more episode to go of uh, season three.
0: Right. And the, what is this, on Amazon? or is it... It's on, 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 on Amazon Prime. Right. Uh, okay. So yeah it sounds it's for anyone who hasn't heard of it um it's a sort of superhero you know you know kind of being evil like the superhero characters but they're actually awful
1: (laughs) Uh, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a dark parody yeah so the so the what you would think is the the group or the you know the group that would that the superheroes would be fighting they kind of are there but they're actually still a bunch of like you know, criminals or whatever, but they're kind of the good guys, and they're kind of trying to take down the superheroes who are just insane, lost the plot, powers going to their heads. Especially Homelander, it's all about you know greed, corporate, you know capitalism. It's you know they're, they're part of this vault. They control the superheroes they make films about the superheroes so it's 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 honestly it's so good it's so graphic as well so if you've got if you're squeamish i probably or if you're easily offended uh, or prudish you probably shouldn't watch this tv show because it is talk about earlier on about films you know committing to things and stuff like that this commits to some of the most bizarre things you'll ever see um on screen um no i think it's great five out of five and as i say homelander just Steals every scene he's on. The guy that plays him is just amazing at this.
0: Would you give all three seasons so far five out of five? Then, um,
1: yeah, probably would. The only thing that I, I th- the only thing that can be a wee bit jarring is Carol Urban's. I-, I think it's a Cockney accent, and at times where he's, it there's times where I thought, "Is he Australian?" And then it's like, "No." Nah. When he's he's sort of a wider family get introduced to the show, it's like, "Oh no, he is actually English." Right. Okay. But it's like, imagine Kano, Mortal Kombat,
0: Hello, baby. Did you miss me? you got your talks like that, you know, I'm fucking
1: make... <laughs> you know a, a wee bit, aye, a wee bit. Um, but, um, again, it, it, it adds to, it, it kind of adds to that kind of bizarreness of it. Um, and he obviously hams it up as well. Carol Horvind's brilliant in it. So um, that's probably the only thing that you might need to get past um is Carol did that accent.
0: Give us a break, Sonia. <laughs> okay uh for i us say so five stars for the boys there we go it's actually been a very good week for our month for you with uh the films and tv shows nothing below uh four stars and
1: uh, well mm-hmm. i would probably say very quickly i've seen chris hemsworth's new film uh spiderhead i think it is. it's on netflix won't get into too much detail but um that
0: that would probably be a three star for me okay. um very quickly on that one. Then, what's what's the setup with this?
1: Uh, he is uh, it's like a uh penitentiary, I think it is, or or, or or the people who have committed crimes go to this place for rehabilitation. But he's basically testing a new drug that can control people's basically can control people through this drug. So if he wants to make people like super horny, he gives them a specific drug, and they will literally have sex with whoever he that's in the room. Uh, Likewise, he wants to control people's fear, all that kind of stuff. So Hemsworth actually is quite good in it. Um, The only issue that I've got in the film is is that I I don't know what the film is is meant to be. I don't know if it's meant to be a kind of dark thriller or a kind of slapstick comedy. Does that make sense? Mm. So I think the identity or the tone in the film can, can fluctuate so rapidly at times where it's like it ends kind of more of a comedic slapstick sort of action scene whereas leading up to it it's been been trying to kind of go more along the kind of psychological you know character building of the people that are actually in this so it's like hmm so it's a wee bit not really got that true identity, you sure. know what I mean? Just
0: doesn't it um, all, all the time? Doesn't just, it? Just
1: just doesn't get it. I think if it again, I think if it committed to either one of them, I think it would have been really good. But it's just quite muddled at times. Yeah, um, I'd still thoroughly recommend it. But yeah, three stars for
0: three me. stars. Okay, excellent, Scott. Thank you for that. I'll quickly touch on the one film I've seen. Uh, is Good Luck to You, Leo Grande? Um, have any of you heard of this film?
1: I've heard about it.
0: Right that's pretty much about it. Okay, so it's kind of a, it's a drama mostly it's a sex comedy I would say as well And within that Um, directed by Sophie Hyde and uh, written by Katie Brand, I'm not actually familiar uh, with, with, but I would say the reason I'm mentioning their names is because this film is very good I really enjoyed this film, it stars Emma Thompson um, and it's pretty much a two-hander it's Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick and there's like maybe one other cast member in this film. And the setup is that uh, Emma Thompson's character is, uh, she, she's a much older lady. She, uh, I think she's actually a widow in the film. It's been a few weeks since I've seen it. So I'm trying to remember the, the exact details. But she's much older, obviously, with being Emma Thompson. McCormick's a McCormick's a young man and he's a sex worker. And Emma Thompson, um, it's pretty much entirely set in Emma Thompson's hotel room that she has hired out over a series of meetings, and it's to hire a sex worker. She is wanting, she's had an unfulfilling sex life and wants to have experiences that she's never had, um, things like orgasm and all these kind of things. Um it's, a very, it's it's it goes i won't go into too much of cuz some of it's it's not spoilers but some of the humor comes in just the way she is so nervous about all of this stuff like she's her character is so nervous she she's so like um quite vulnerable and it's a vulnerable performance i would say um you know it doesn't shy away from showing some stuff that um you know, and it's uh very good and um McCormick's character is obviously the exact opposite. he's a very confident guy um very self assured very good looking, and he's essentially trying to relax her and trying to kind of talk her through things and and so the film kind of just goes into their lives and it unravels a couple of things there's a couple of twists here and there over the film. And as these two characters really get to know each other, but the writing in this film is is terrific. I absolutely loved it. There's moments where you will just be—I was laughing. At... It's the film that doesn't set out to. It doesn't seem like it's a comedy, but you just find yourself laughing at the absurdity of some of the stuff that's coming up. Mm. Um, and I—I I just really enjoyed it. It doesn't make um, you know when you think of it because you were talking about you know reversing genders and how would that have an impact on how you would look at this this sort of uh this interaction so you've got an older woman hiring a younger man for sex mm-hmm. obviously there's the whole sex worker thing and, and people would say that's controversial a lo- itself but also an older woman sleeping with a much younger man like could be almost i think at least son son's age kind of thing um i don't think um
1: i certainly think in the in the modern era uh i don't think the sex worker
0: probably isn't no sort of no part, that's that's I probably mean, yeah. yeah true you're right but
1: um I, I think i think you're right in terms of the 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 young um
0: well it's, you know the it's, young
1: it's, prostitute to the older woman. Yes. You, know, you you prob- in, in hollywood you're probably going you know, why is that not an older man, you know, good looking fucking white older man with a young
0: So that's the thing. So that's what. So like yeah, like the film would kind of not be quite as marketable, possibly. It would have mm. to be the writing would have to be so good to somehow um justify so, it. When you have a a, I, a, a seventy yeah. year old man hiring a young twenty-three year old uh, or twenty eight year old, I think maybe, or something like that, some young mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, you know, young girl for sex, and having to then the film would have to do a hell of a lot to make him this very sympathetic character, and and I think that's possible. That I think that's possible there, but it is a bit easier when it's an older woman and it's a younger man, and it, it, there's there's so hard to tell if there's yeah. a, if there's something there in that, you know, if you know what I mean.
1: And I think that's maybe where. Paul Thomas Anderson. He, you probably, in terms of a writing aspect, you probably would have to be like, pfft, I don't even know. I mean, imagine it's like fucking Ian McKellen. as <laughs> a terrible. as a terrible choice, right? But let's go for it, right? It's so you, are not Ian McPars. <laughs> the loop. You, sh- you are you shall pass. <laughs> 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 um, um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's like older, older man. And then it was like a lot younger. If that get released now, it would get slammed because it would be like, oh, it's creepy, it's sodded, all that kind of stuff. But I think a, a, a writer would probably be like, well, we'll just set it, we'll just set it in the 80s. Because that kind of shit happened in the 80s. Does that make sense? It's kind of almost a way they kind of get round that thing.
0: Well, this one, obviously, yeah. Uh, probably you're right. And it depends on how they write it. The character is, she's, she's not even the most likable characters. As you get to know her, She is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she's very complicated, we'll say, on her opinions on things. And she's got a lot of learning to do herself. So at at one moment, you feel so sorry for her. You feel very connected to her. And you really like this guy. He's just a very, you know, he's got it all. He's just quite a assured guy. And so they're just such likable characters. As you get to know her. Things the cracks start to appear and you're like wow oh, wow that's really yeah. her opinion on that hmm. and she's a wee bit self aware and it's just there's 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 elements that are just really interesting it's a really well uh, written story a couple of moments I would say when they get into some backstory about a couple of things McCormick's character tells a story about his family and how they perceive him and stuff and it just doesn't it doesn't work for me there's a I won't go into the specifics but it's just a bit it feels a bit unrealistic um, to how his family reacted to some things that he did. And I, won't, I won't go into any more details, but so it's a couple of moments where the, the cracks, uh, you, know, uh, you know, appear in, in the writing, but otherwise, a really deftly handled film, really well made. It's, it's kind of nice cinematography, the lighting and things like that. It's just got a nice uh, a nice pace to it as well. Uh, it doesn't over like get too long. I don't, yeah, I don't think it did. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I don't remember feeling like it outstayed its welcome. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I was, I was really struggling. The person I was with said she would give it a five. Oh no, she would give it a four. I was close to a five, but I'm thinking maybe on reflection I would drop it to a very high four. I think.
1: Well, apparently we do half stars now, Steve. So mm-hmm. would it would it
0: get that four point five? No, I think I think I will leave it as is a, it a 4. four, point, we'll, we'll, four go point with, five. we'll go with a 4, but um, no, it's a very good film. Recommend it if you're into anything that's that that sounds like any drama and comedy uh, that you're into. Uh, if you're into that and, and Emma Thompson is fantastic. She is brilliant in this film as always, of course, it almost goes without saying, but she's really good, really enjoyable.
1: Is it all set in the like, is it all Predominantly, say it like in the hotel room, with obviously all the flashbacks. Kind
0: of uh, no, so there's no actual flashbacks. It's just as they're talking. There's t- a uh, couple of stories it. that come up, and it just it it, it just it, within that we're talking a couple of lines of dialogue, but the story didn't. I didn't really think it worked. Uh, I didn't think it was. It was a bit like hmm, that story. Just that's not how somebody would react. Like that's a bit much. That doesn't feel like they've really thought that out. Um. So you know, and I don't think it's based on a true story. In case I'm. Um, yeah I don't think it's just no. <laughs> yeah. in, in case it's like uh, something that I'm sla- I'm making I'm criticizing and it actually was a true no it's not a true story but yeah so I would say a really enjoyable film and highly recommend for anyone who likes uh, drama and comedy uh, so that's really the only film I've seen I've already spoke about Star Wars earlier with keeping up with that and I'm going to try and catch all the films you've talked about Scott Gordon I know you've not Uh, caught anything in cinema or streaming services recently but you have been watching a few films and you were wanting to talk about uh, the Cider House rules yes um, oh, and can
2: I just say, Emma Thompson tends to show up every now and then because her mum owns a house and we often walk the dog past it. Nice. <laughs> a little bit of trivia for you. There you go. Um, Yeah, so The Cider House Rules, 1999, directed by, how do I say this, Lasse Hallstrom, um, starring a certain Michael Caine, Toby Maguire, Charlize Theron in a supporting role. A supporting role. Yeah, and... Uh, I hadn't heard of it till recently. It was it was, um, it was based on a book. Um, I will need to double check again. Who was it? John Grisham, possibly. Um, John Irving. John Irving, yeah. His novel from nineteen eighty five, and it follows the life. It's meant to be in the era of the Second World War, and it's largely following uh, Toby Maguire's character. Um, what's his name? Homer. <laughs> um and his it's basically a self-contained world he he was an orphan himself he grows up in this orphanage where um the head doctor there is michael kane and um yeah it's it's really just like a sort of journey of discovery he he lives in this self-contained world he's still he he grew up in the orphanage which is in the middle of nowhere in pennsylvania somewhere and he's in his 20s and he's still working there and he's like, there must be more to life than this so he wants to get out and see the world and eventually says to um, Kane's cat, you know, I kind of want to get out of it and he's like, okay, okay, and he goes and uh, Charlize Theron comes into it because, um, now it's quite weird, there's a lot of uncomfortable themes in this film. I did enjoy it a lot um, but it they, it's weird because it's like it's an orphanage, but the the guys who work there, like Michael Caine and um, Kathy Baker and a couple other people, they're like, and then Toby Maguire, they're they're like these jack of all trades. So they do, and obviously this is an era where you didn't have proper medical technology. They they perform surgery on people who've been in accidents. They can perform abortions for um for women who are pregnant, and they can another like. What was that? There's some weird things. They're like It's really weird. Like, they're, kind of, they're half, um, what's like somebody who owns an orphanage? Like, they're almost like a, a family, half this family person who looks after kids without homes and half, like, surgeons. It's really weird. Um, and Michael Caine, actually, I think he won a, an Academy Award, but um, just and he's good. He's yeah, good. He
0: he Aye, he's really—he's
2: a real highlight I mean he's a highlight yeah. in, in all of his films really but the one thing though Scott is um, he with the being set in America he mm. very unusual Michael Caine performs in an American accent and it's not a particularly good American accent and it's always going to be Michael Caine at the end of the day it's Michael like um,
1: I was going to one of the things that I was going to ask literally was does Michael Caine talk like Michael Caine he kind of does Michael- his
2: accent slips at times well
1: yeah <laughs> The the my, my um the the accent that I've got in Michael Caine now is obviously his his uh, uh Batman, As the butler, Alfred. Mm-hmm. That's how I that's now how I imagine Michael Caine to talk in every film. So see when you were saying uh Toby Maguire is like Homer I think is Homer Wells the character is? I've mm-hmm. just got him saying like okay master wills yeah it's more it's more like uh, i'm just calling anyone master before, before yeah. the last name yeah master bruce he
2: still he says like every it's almost like every couple of words still sound like michael still sound like that he's like oh, i need you <laughs> i need you to help perform an abortion" and then, and then it, but it actually says it more like it's more like i need you to help it's like, i had it in my head just there it's like Oh, it's hard to explain, it's just really mm-hmm. weird the way he says it, and it's, no, it's, what I was trying to say was I, it's weird, like, they help him, it's not just, like, they, they can actually, and Michael Caine and Maguire's character, they, they regularly it's just part of their, like, uh, job description, they help deliver babies, but they also they can perform abortions for him mm-hmm. um, for women who come into this place, so it's like it's like half a hospital, half an orphanage. Really, but they they do it so they're so relaxed doing it, and it's it gets quite gory at times. You know, there's a bit of blood and things like that, and it and the bit they they act as if they're just like um you know ordering a television service for somebody or like uh, putting putting up a satellite in a roof, but they're like delivering children. It's really they're so relaxed about it. But the whole thing is like so eventually um Charlize Theron who actually. Her and her husband, who's like he's kind of a war hero, Paul played by Paul Rudd actually, which was funny seeing him in that sort of role. They come in and uh, she wants an abortion, but, like she they help and they like help her kind of like um rest afterwards and get get back to normal. Eventually they leave. And it's kind of weird, like um so Homer, Toby McGuire's character goes with them is his mean they all like take him out to the other side of America to, to like to live with them and like to, they get a job for him and stuff. And he goes and he basically, this is where we get into why it's called the cider house rules. He works at, I guess you call it a cider house. It's it's a seasonal work where he helps to pick apples from trees and then turn the apples into cider and um, so he stays in what they call a cider house. It's a big, the, the people that work there all live in the same house and it's called the cider house. And, uh, and that's when the film does take quite a dark turn at, at that point as well. Um, because now, I mean, guys, if if certain things make you uncomfortable, like you know, Bond films, I mean, like this, there's there's actually incest involved towards the end, and it's uh, it's just quite uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and but overall, Bond films. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, look at the <laughs> Bond talk to that woman, but here it's like, Ooh, you it's mean, really you know, massively
0: uncomfortable I'm, in films.
2: Uh, it's, 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 I mean, I, it's not the sort of see, thing you see in every, every day. You don't, not you see it, but you know it's like implied. And, um, but, but the general kind of process. Of the f- I mean, I think like the music's really good. Um, there's, uh, there's great acting in it. Um, the themes are kind of unclear. The end result is isn't really anything. There's no real twist. Nothing really surprises me. It's basically it follows a pattern of. Homer works in the orphanage he wants to see the world he goes and works the other side of the country sees about the world he falls in love with Charlie Sleron's character and then after all that what happens he goes back and he works in the orphanage and he takes over from Michael Caine um so it's like you thought you would think he was he was the sort of guy that it's almost like he had a special talent He didn't use it. it's like oh, at the end of the day all he does is he goes back to the orphanage that he wanted out of and he and he starts working. I could kind of see that coming. <laughs> so it's, it, it's a film that kind of doesn't really go anywhere <laughs> in particular. But um, it's, I mean, it, it's dramatic. It's it's very tense at times. It's uh, and it's kind of it's kind of a hidden jewel. I mean, I'd never really heard of it, but I, I definitely I, recommend it.
1: Yeah, I had never heard of it uh, either. And like, it's crazy that Michael Caine won Best Supporting. Uh, he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor on it. Like Not not taking it away from the film or Michael Caine, but it's just like, I would have thought I would have heard about it.
0: Always, Does that make sense? Yeah. A lot of Oscar yeah. films, though, I always think they do sometimes disappear. Like, not disappear, but they kind of just, they're not the repeated blockbuster films that you everyone remembers from pop culture. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it won two. uh it was Michael Caine. He won Best Supporting, but then I don't know if it won a Best Original Screenplay or whatever. But it definitely won two awards. It's yeah, crazy it was
2: probably. It was to probably. When
1: you I was can't... gonna. Say, no, I was gonna say it's crazy to think like, like Michael Caine went from he goes from Jaws: The Revenge to winning an Academy Award in like the yeah, space of like ten like, years. <laughs>
2: it's quite, like a, quite a jump, I have to say. Yeah. But yeah, he won the Academy Award and he's pretty good in it, but I've seen a lot of better Michael Caine performances. And like I said, the, ac- the accent is one of these things that eventually just accept it for <laughs> for what it is. Uh, it's, it's weird, him trying to sound
0: American. I can't imagine it being good. <laughs>
2: It's like one of these things. If, if you train your brain to just switch off, to it it's not so easy at first, but after like ten minutes, you just start to accept it. But that's kind of who Michael Caine is. It's it's that voice. Welcome to the Kavish Filmcast. But you know, it's,
1: <laughs> is it like it, Sean Connery trying to do a Russian accent? Where not, it just I, sounds like Sean Connery. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's um. I found it easier to accept than that. I just there was something just wasn't right. To me, with Connery and Hunt for Red October.
1: Or even when Sean Connery's playing a Spanish character in Highlander and he just sounds like Sean Connery.
0: I mean... That's right, yeah. He, yeah it, has, just, <laughs> it ends with, and he just sounds like Sean Connery.
1: I tell it's you what, like, two, um, a, a quick thing on Sean Connery, Right, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he, he does sound... There's a scene in The Last Crusade where he sounds so American and it's so off-putting. Oh, there's is there not more than one bit. I don't, aye, because and then you're kind of going, well, wait a minute here. Is he actually trying to put on an American accent? Because there was yeah. a, there's the scene, there's a scene where you know the scene where he shoots the he's 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 in the plane, and he tries to shoot the other plane, but he shoots the the back rudder, and he turns around to Indy and he goes, eh, "Sorry, sorry, the us oh, the yeah. they The us And you're like and you're like, why did he say it like that? Yeah, but, but then, see, when you try and put on, like, a Sean Connery accent to say, sorry, son, they, they've got us. They've got us. Sorry, sure, Sean, they've got
2: us. Well, I like <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? So you've kind of got to go, they got us.
2: <laughs> it's so weird. I don't um, know why. I don't know why. I always, that always stood out to me, Scott. I can see why you're... That, that's obviously something that you're quite <laughs> opinionated about. I mean, the... Do you, do you remember in The Rock? I don't even know if this this was deliberate, but he kind of whistles the while he's talking. He's, the guys like broke out of Alcatraz. It's like yes, yes, success. <laughs> well, like, I can't even do it like when you whistle yes, when you say yes. an S or a C. It's like that guy of tune the fat again. I, he is. I
1: suppose he is at least playing, or as they call him, uh, a British veteran yeah. or war uh, soldier in in The Rock. Um, yeah.
0: Okay.
2: But, okay. So, what
0: would you give that film,
2: Gordon? So The Cider House Rules, it's a, it's quite a solid four out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was never drifting away from it. Um, it, it, it kept me focused. Um, I was just intrigued to see what was going to happen, but slightly disappointed it
0: didn't really go anywhere in the end. Okay. And last film that you've got here is Tommy. What's uh, what's your thoughts? Yes.
2: On well, yeah, I was kind... Quite- I wanted to just like not tell you the name in advance because what I was going to say was right, guys. Um, you'll have never heard of this picture in a musical, which has
0: John Nicholson,
2: <laughs> Oliver Reed, um, Tina Turner, Eric Clapton, Elton John. <laughs> and it's made in the nineteen seventies, and it's and it's a rock opera. It's like you would probably think I've lost the plot. Uh, so, the, but um, yeah, it was. Um, it was a rock opera based on The Who's album, Tommy, which the album was released in 1969. It's multi-million selling double album. Um, and The Who, like The Beatles and like Elvis, they they, they did two motion pictures. Um, they did more, obviously, these bands, but The Who did two because they, they also did Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia.
1: But
2: Yeah. Um, so Tommy, it's, it's essentially a musical based on, and it follows the same sort of, I mean, um, Pete Townsend, the main songwriter, had real grandiose ideas. It wasn't just we'll sit down and play the first thing that comes into our heads. He had this vision, and it's it's very strange and surreal, and it follows it follows the story of, and again, it's set during the war and uh, into the nineteen fifties. A boy who his father is shot down and in, he's in, in the RAF. Um, he's brought up his mother. Um, Kinda of like another one of these stories with someone who's a special talent, but his the, his father's presumed dead. Um, his mum gets together with some guy who's owner of a holiday camp, but then the the father suddenly comes back in the middle of the night, and a big f- fight ensues. And um, basically, the mum the mum and the stepdad kill the dad, and the boy sees it happen. And they they try and brainwash him that it didn't happen. His mum and dad, and to the extent this is where it gets really weird. He becomes, he sort of retreats inward into this psychedelic state where his senses are like completely gone. Like he can't see, he can't, he basically becomes what they call blind, deaf, and dumb. And like for most of the film. And so, based on the album, um, Tommy, if so, this guy, Tommy, he's blind, deaf, and dumb, but he becomes this, and this is, you'll think this is weird, he becomes this like celebrity because he's finally so, finds something that he's really talented at. He becomes this. Pinball champion, and, and he starts this religious, this religion. He
0: becomes this religious leader, and like it's, it's weird. <laughs> um, this is and- like. The words you're saying don't seem like they connect. There's just a lot. I know. <laughs> this is well, pretty mental.
1: Right. So it sounds. It, it kind of sounds just as bizarre as everything everywhere. All at once, actually was. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm finding it hard to describe because even if even before the Who did the musical, and I got to say I'm a big Who fan, um, and I do really enjoy that album. But even for me to just describe the album, not even the film, is difficult because it's a, It's such a weird concept. But I admire the. That I just how unusual it is. It's just the concept that it was. It's basically a product of, like I said, Pete Townsend, but it's been turned into film form. But it's yeah, it's weird. It's I would say it's madcap as well. I mean, if you've ever seen the the nineteen sixty seven Casino Royale, I get I was getting big vibes of that. That's that film's absolutely nuts, and it and it's kind of a musical as well. So it was yeah it's it's strange but it's entertaining you know if you like a musical you will like elements of it but I would say if you're not if you're not a fan of The Who um, you'll probably wonder what's going on if you've never listened to Tommy as an album and know the premise behind it you'll probably just not know what's going on that's sort of my fear for anyone watching this I just went into it as a Who fan I just felt I had to see it because I
0: was a Who fan okay awesome and what would you give this?
2: I'd give it f- Three point five. <laughs> I was thinking three, maybe. But as like I said, the main reason for it not scoring higher is because you just wouldn't know what was going on unless you were familiar with the album. And um, it does help that you know, like I said, it's got it's got a, like the cast really stands out. Elton John plays what they call the Pinball Wizard. If you know the if you know the Who song Pinball Wizard, um, that tells you a little bit about the the concept behind Tommy, but. Um, Elton John is in it. Um, like I said, Tina Turner plays this really weird character. Jack Nicholson is a supporting role, and apparently he was in the film because he admired the work of Ken Russell, who's the director. Um, but yeah, because of the... I suppose the people who's in the film is like enough of a reason to, to give it a chance. One of the drawbacks as well is, I mean... If you think of musicals, I don't know if there's been any actual rock opera films as such. I don't know if there was maybe a Green Day one, but um, if you think of music, let's say like the Blues Brothers, the Blues Brothers, there's long scenes of it just been like a, a general story, a lot of dialogue scenes, no music. Every so often you'll get a big song, like 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 a typical theatre production, right? But... And Tommy, it's just music, music, music. It's just incessant. It's relentless. Just, it's like they must, they must play like all twenty odd of the songs that are on the album. It's just they don't stop for dialogue. It, so it's, it's kind of a bit too much. But um, I, I just find it's fun, and it's also fun because it's mad. It just, it just loses its way though. But uh, uh, it's,
0: it's weird. Awesome. Excellent. So that's another. Well, you're giving it three point five stars there, and so pretty good we have had no clunkers on this podcast at all the lowest i think was a free from scott for the uh spiderhead so yeah otherwise this has been a pretty stellar uh month for films and television shows and also older films that we've happened to catch which i think i'm going to call that section the look back maybe we could do that and then and we can have anyone who has seen older stuff shove it in that section that's something we can discuss off air. <laughs> but, yeah, that covers this month, guys. Thanks very much. This has been awesome. I now plan to catch these uh, films and television shows as well as, yeah, the Marvel stuff. I really do need to see because now, as you alluded to earlier, Scott, Thor, uh, Love and Thunder is coming out soon. That seems like one of the big releases for this month. And, yeah, I uh, the Elvis film as well has just come out. Um, I've heard good things about that. So I kind of want to see that as well. So much to watch. So little time. So little time. Yeah. Just not enough
2: hours in the day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and in between editing podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Life. Um. Okay. On that note,
1: we'll... Steve, life finds a way.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. There we go. Everybody <laughs> up there. Everybody up there. I like that. <laughs> 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 oh dear yes thank you guys thank you scott thank you gordon for joining me we will be back next month for more film catch-ups see you then catch the rest of our content on capiche.online that's the website k-a-p-e-e-s-h there's also our podcast is on spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud and any other a few other podcast services you can check them out and that's yeah that's where we're at so thank you guys for listening we'll see you then take care bye bye